Hey, Theater People, Patrick here with some great news, you guys. Starting today, Theater People is going back to our weekly format. We'll be dropping a new episode every Monday from now up through the Tony Awards. We've got some amazing guests lined up as well, including Josh Groban from Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, Rachel Bay Jones from Dear Evan Hansen, and LaShawn's is coming back. And that is just the tip of the iceberg, you guys. I want to also remind you that along with the amazing people at Today Ticks, we've created a new podcast called Broadway Backstory. It's a super fun documentary style podcast in which every episode finds out how a show developed from an idea to a full Broadway production. Essentially, we talk to everyone involved with the show, find out how they made it, and then put together a 40 to 50 minute audio documentary. So far for season one, we've told the backstories of Legally Blonde, the Deaf West production of Spring Awakening, Fun Home, In the Heights, The Secret Garden, and the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. I'm super proud of Broadway Backstory, you guys, and I've never had more fun. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts, and you can stream episodes and find really cool bonus content at todaytix.com slash Backstory. Okay, now to the show. Hey, wait a second, when I beckoned, look how the guys came running like a kicking, finger licking, like I'm freaking wicked stunning. Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Hines. I am thrilled to welcome today's guest, the gorgeous, wonderful, fabulous, Tony-nominated Orfe to the show. Orfe has this incredible story of growing up in New York City, going to performing arts school here, forming and getting a record deal with a 90s pop band, remember those? And then going on to find success and Tony nominations on Broadway. She is my kind of lady, and I love talking to her. Here's our conversation. Hi. How are you? How are you? Okay, super we name dropping. We made it. We made it. Yeah. Do you remember when we first met? Remind me and I probably will. Okay, Martha Plimpton introduced us at, at her the, uh, A is four thing. Oh my God. At, and at we their talked. after party. We yes, did talk. We did and you said you wanted me to do this. Yeah, 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 and I yeah. said I'd love to get a hold of me. Exactly. Yes, I remember at the uh, Bar Centrale. Bar Centrale. Yes, that's what that I can never remember what that yeah. place is called. Hang on, so I'm going to turn do myself remember. down a little bit. Um, hi, welcome. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. So, okay, first question. Did you grow up in New York City? I was born and raised in New York City. Oh, that's amazing to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you went to like high school here. I went to school all over the tri-state area always public school wow um, I went to the high school of performing arts graduated from LaGuardia LaGuardia so like the fame yeah, school yeah the, the fame school and I think um, once fame came out and you know we auditioned and stuff after the movie came out I think there was something like I'm making this number up, but a few hundred people would audition every year to get into the school on 46th Street. Wow. And after fame, it was literally, it went from a few hundred to tens of thousands of people. I mean, okay, first of all, what was it even like growing up in New York City at that time? You know what? It was so amazing. And there weren't a lot of native New Yorkers, but the native New Yorkers were the coolest coolest kids on the planet it was always the people that would come from other places that thought they were supposed to kind of affect a certain type of personality that wound up being crazy yeah yeah it was the native new yorkers or the kids from queens staten island you know those were the normal kids who were really cool yeah and so i got you know i was very lucky i grew up in a time 
before social media, before, uh, you know, all of the ways that we have to not communicate. Or to, like, torture each other. And torture each other. I mean, listen, we tortured each other in person. Right. So if somebody got on your nerves too much, you socked them in the eye, and that was mm-hmm. the end of the story. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah. you, you, you went outside after school. Right. You <laughs> that was kind of it. But, you know, I was, you know, Gen Xers are actually really lucky. You yeah, know? And, totally. And that whole adage, you know, youth is wasted on the young. But, like, we're the last of the group of people, and I was having this conversation conversation with a bunch of Gen Xers the other night. It's like, we're the last of the kind of, quote, socially normal people. Right. We still have a skill set. We still know how to do things vis-a-vis. You know what I right. mean? Exactly. So it makes me sad because the, the, the younger generation, they don't know. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? They, they're like, oh, this one said this and this one. And there's this awful, awful online bullying and all. I mean, my God, it makes me insane. It's, it really it's, does. I don't know what – we have no plan at this point. We don't know what – the other thing, too, is that it hasn't been around long enough exactly. for people to know, oh, well, this is how you deal with that. Right, right, right. You know no, what there's I mean? no, There's no precedence. There's right. no kind of – there's only just very recently, very recently, and believe me, I've been a victim of cyberbullying for de- a decade. Yeah, of course. So a decade ago, there was no one to go to and say, help me. Right. Can you do something about this? Can we do something? I was very lucky. I had friends like, you know, at Broadway World, my friend Rob Diamond. He, yeah, I was like, listen, you've got to do something about this. And he was more Because they than do the happy. chat boards, right? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, now chat boards, like you have Twitter, you have Instagram, right. you have things where you can counteract whatever some crazy person is saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. At that point, that's all there was. Right, 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 right. You know, and or Facebook or stuff like that. You know, but it's like there are certainly great things about it. There are great ways to promote and, you know, totally. you get to reach out to your fans who love to see a red carpet shot of, you know, me and Andy on the red yep. carpet. You know, so you're facilitating something for the majority that are fantastic, you know, but there's always going to be the people or you know yeah. the, the kids that just think it's fun to torture people of course and it's not so okay you go to you went to performing arts high school yep. and then you're like the star of a girl group right no you're, i was i was the star of a duo was it a duo it was okay. a duo with a guy okay wait it was called owen or and more or and more and you yes. did like a, you did like a huge single we had a huge single um the album was poised to become huge and then everything literally imploded overnight how it just all, how did you get the gig we, well i mean gosh we got the gig by you know Doing 350 demos and uh, hitting the pavement and taking 3,000 meetings. And it took three years to get a record deal. You know, know, people see the end result. Always. You never know the soil and toil and trouble and bleeding and dying in the midst of It's like the overnight success that took a decade. Easily, you know. So once I hit again, it'll be two and a (laughs) half decades, you know. But yeah, it was was a really long time. We had, you know, my partner and I just, we churned out songs. He was really prolific. And uh, I could write a lyric really in my sleep. So we just had a lot. And I think we were self-contained. And in the early 90s, a lot of people weren't self-contained. They weren't writing, producing themselves. Oh, that's what you mean by self-contained? Yeah. Uh Yeah. So it, it was different. In the sense that, oh, these are two kids, really young, who write and produce. Right. So it was interesting to the record labels. And finally, this guy who went on to become a mega mogul, he cut his teeth on us. Wow. Forgot all about us subsequently. (laughs) Um, Has never reached back to, you know, maybe go, hey, you're like a Tony-nominated Broadway star now. Maybe I should come and reach back and thank you for giving me my next five artists that I modeled exactly after you. Oh, my God. You don't want to tell us who it was, do you? I can't. Nope. You'd know him. Oh. 
<laughs> but yeah, no. So I mean, that's really how it all began. And and Mike and I went to performing arts together. My partner, or you know, the more yeah in or and more yeah were we were in the same high school. And he was like, "Hey, you want to make records?" So I was like, "Sure." We didn't know what the hell we were doing. Oh we just God. we just had an abundance of creativity. And then and then so all of a sudden, like, are you doing like what? What is your life like as like a? How were you still in school or was this after high school? No, this school? was after high school. And literally, life was trying to get the record deal, then trying to keep the record deal. Of course. And there was, after once we got the record deal, there was a, a period of time that was absolutely magical. And we traveled all over the world. Wow. How long? For two, two and a half years. That's amazing. Nonstop, on the road. And I mean, like, places like Guam. Yeah. To the entire, you know, United States. There were times we would fly four times a day and be in four different cities a day, you know. And, you know, you're young enough to just not feel it. Or you know, we didn't even need it. We were so excited. We didn't need sleep. We could go out all night. We could get up at six o'clock in the morning, get on the next flight. So that part of it was really, really amazing. I'm so lucky I got to experience that, you know, basically on somebody else's dime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so that was amazing. So, and then once it imploded, uh, then it was trying to get it back. Then it was, so it was like this, you know, in a, in a short, in a relatively short amount of time, it kind of ran the gamut of every horrible thing that could happen, every good thing that could happen, every exciting thing that could happen. And then ultimately going, oh God, what am I, I'm 20, I'm barely 23 years old. What am I going to do for the rest of my life? Right. You know? <laughs> Did you just decide to walk away? No, I didn't want, no, it was not, it was, it was not a self-imposed <laughs> exile by any means. It was hard because, you know, we were kind of really successful enough for everyone within the record business to know who we were. And so, the, you know, there was a little drama that came with that. Right. So it wasn't like, oh, well, let's pick them up. And, you know, back in those days, people actually still sold records. So it was expensive. It wasn't like you could put your stuff out digitally. And right, of it, course. it wasn't, you know, it was a big deal then. It was like a lot of, you know, bells and whistles and a big machine. So no, I I didn't I wouldn't have left the music business ever. Mm-hmm. I'd still be doing that if if I hadn't had to leave. God, when you were in performing arts high school, did you study musical theater? No, actually, we there was no musical theater department. It was straight acting. Oh, like really? Deep heavy method acting, Stanislavski. There was a dance department and a music department. And, and so you did music. I did drama. Oh, you I was did? In the, I was in the acting department. Wow. Yeah. You know, we occasionally put on musicals and plays and things like that, obviously for our final senior projects and things of that nature, and we wound up doing musicals, but there was no musical theater training at all. That is so interesting. And it was, I mean, like, the music department was really difficult, really difficult. If you got in for, say, piano or guitar, you had to pick up another instrument to wow. study for the four years. So it wasn't just like, oh, anybody who's great. It was really, really like the creme de la creme of the talented kids. And it was free. So it wasn't like you were paying. Right. So they'd have to be like, well, they're paying X amount of money. You know, this was free. And it still is, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Do you, are you happy that you did it that way? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't regret anything. I'm probably one of like a handful of people who, you know, went to a school like this that didn't hate high school. Right. You know? Of course. Yeah. When did, was Broadway always somewhere in the back of your mind as something like you could do later or? Not even a little bit. Because city kids, your parents didn't go, oh, hey, let's go to a Broadway show on the weekend. And I've said this many times, you know, we didn't, 
go, oh, let's go up and west a little bit. We went, let's get the heck out of town. Oh, so you would go to like the country. Yeah, you'd go to the country. You'd go to the Catskills. You'd go to Vermont. You'd go somewhere where there was space and air and, you right. know. <laughs> totally, yeah. You know? We're struggling to do that with Daisy. Like, That's we, what it is. Totally. You know, so we didn't, you know, yes, of course, obligatory, you know, I saw Annie. I saw things like that that would, you know, make sense for me as a kid. And it was it was a special outing, but it wasn't what we did being in the, you know, in Manhattan, a few blocks away. That wow. wasn't like the big trip out. The big trip out was to go skiing. Right. You yeah, know what yeah, I yeah, mean? Totally. <laughs> you know, so. That's so funny. I, um, what was I going to ask you? You made your Broadway debut in Footloose in 98, yes. right? Yes. And you got that gig because somebody had encouraged you to go and audition for it. No, wh- how I got that gig was my, one of my, two of my male dancers in the group wound up their next jobs after working with me in Orrin Moore they both became Broadway choreographers. Uh, who are they? A.C. Ciula uh-huh. and David Marquez. Wow. A.C. Ciula choreographed Footloose. Uh-huh. David Marquez choreographed Fascinating Rhythm. Yes. And that, those were my first two Broadway shows. So did you audition or they just get... Oh, no, I auditioned like a fiend. <laughs> I, I auditioned so many times really and um i mean to be fair the footloose thing it was a very last minute thing they needed one more cover for all the women i didn't even know what that meant i have so many questions about that i literally didn't have a clue and ac's like hey come audition for footloose i was like what do you mean i didn't he's like bring your book i was like what do you mean i didn't have any you know i i had auditioned as a kid i was a commercial and voiceover girl Uh and jingles so i knew what that meant but to audition for a musical no idea. So did you have to go in and do the whole, like, sing us 16 bars? And- I sang more than 16 bars, and I had to do the whole, like, AC's crazy difficult choreography. I was flop sweating, and I'm not a big sweater <laughs> because I don't, you know, I don't know the protocol. I'm not a dancer. I'm a singer who moves well. I'm a hip-hop dancer. Totally. So I showed up, and I've told this story, so I hope it's not boring for no, people. No, please. But I showed up in my best Rhythm Nation reject outfit. <laughs> So I was in combat boots, overalls, a tank top, my headscarf. Like, I literally look like the one reject that Janet Jackson didn't hire for Rhythm Nation. That's so funny. And all the other girls were in their, you know, fabulous character shoes and their leotards and just looking at me like I just crawled in from outer space. Did it make you stand out, though? Not in the right way. Uh Uh-huh. You know, um, I think I scared Walter Bobby to death. (laughs) But, you know, I I could sing it. They clearly knew I could sing and cover every part. So... They gave me the job. How many auditions did you do? I, for Footloose, I did the one day. It wow. was a very long day. Yeah. And they kept making me wait. And then I kept going for the next team and the next team. And then finally, it was everybody. But Fascinating Rhythm, I auditioned for a lot. So God. it wasn't like, oh, David Marquez is the choreographer. So, uh-huh. or, you know, and it was really difficult. I mean, again, it was pre-bootlegs. You can't see. But we did some of the most unbelievably crazy tap dance numbers in Fascinating Rhythm. That you could possibly imagine. I want to talk about that in one second, but my uh, my first question was the uh, the whole idea of covering and understudying and standbying to me. Uh, these are the angel humans of Broadway. Ugh. I don't know how you do it. Did you? You seem like a very confident woman. Did you just know you're like okay? If they want me to do this, then I'll just be able to do it. No, I, I was trial by fire. Really, Janine Myers and I were the two female covers for. 10 people oh my that and just makes the hair on the what is left of the back of the hair <laughs> on the back of my neck stand up I, I don't even know but you know what it is when you're young you don't know better of it's course. like and, and yeah. there are certain listen I have a certain personality where if I'm gonna do something 
I better be able to do it off the bat. Like I'm the kind yeah. of person, and I don't recommend this. Don't try this at home, kids. I learned how to drive by getting behind the wheel of a car and driving. <laughs> yeah, totally. I learned how to swim by jumping into the deep end. Like that's just my personality. There are people who need a lot of instruction and a lot of, you know. I'm the same. I know exactly what you're talking you about. You know, but Janine, that's how I learned to make a podcast. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like you either you're either going to throw yourself into the fire and hope it works out. Or you're going to fail miserably. Totally. You know, Janine and I happened to have thankfully, and she had been, she had done cats. She'd been through it already. This was my debut and she was really helpful as well. She'd like, and she was really, you know, she was making charts and she knew exactly where to go. I was like, I can't even, I don't even know what you're doing. Was she nice to you? Did she help you? Oh, she was awesome. Yeah. She's been my friend since, you know, we're very close friends, but you know, there were two of us covering all the women. Were the, were the principals nice to you? Uh, for the most part, yeah. I'm very, like, I'm obsessed with knowing this. You don't have to tell me. But oh, no, sure. I'm always like, because so many people will, like yourself, start out in a role like that and then end up being Tony nominees, you know? And it's, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, like, so important to remember where you came from and that, like, somebody's first job like that is so terrifying. Yeah, you know, I just think, again, we were so young and I certainly was so completely uh, not in my element that I didn't know to be offended. I didn't right. know to be upset. I didn't know when, you know, I came from the music business and the music business is really tough and really cutthroat and it's, you know, very uh, male dominated, very adult oriented. You know, you just, I was having fun because I was around a bunch of people my own age, totally. you know, and I, so I didn't know if there was drama going on because it wasn't my drama. Yeah, do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Totally. You know, and we had so much to learn and we had so much to do that I was able to really stay out of the fray. Did you, you know? go on a lot? I didn't go on ever. Are you serious? Uh, oh, because you, wait, did you, how long did you stay with the show? I was there nine months, but they wouldn't, like the girls I covered would, would carry oxygen tanks on the stage before they would let me on. It wow. was hilarious. It's like the running gag. We talk about it to this day. <laughs> and the day I gave my notice and went over to Fascinate and Rhythm, everybody got sick and called out. <laughs> so, and this is, this is, I am not speaking out of school. Everybody knows this. And once uh, Fascinate and Rhythm, as I think you know, ran... <laughs> 17 all performances? Of, all of 32 shows <laughs> all together. As soon as I was done with that, I was contract, contracted to come back and play Rusty. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. So wait, do you really think they literally did not want you to go on? I remember they'd go on and be like, somebody's eyes are watching. <laughs> I'm like, dude, they're not going to replace you with me. I'm the standby. I'm the understudy. Get over it. But it's a running joke. We're yeah. all really good friends. So it's like just something we laugh about a lot. You that know? is so f- Okay, so what Fascinating Rhythm was like a review? It was a Gershwin review. So you gave your notice because you got that job. I did. I okay. Did. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just wondered. I was looking at the cast list, and it's pretty. The amazing. best cast in the entire you, world. Sarah Ramirez, Adrian Lennox, Michael Barras, Patrick Wilson. Yeah. What on earth? I know it was it was wonderful, and I just think it was a little edgy and ahead of its time. Yeah. You know, this is ninety nine. Well, it was just a straight up review. With amazing arrangements, amazing costumes, this glorious cast, but like you had a lesbian number. Oh. You know, Isn't It a Pity was a lesbian number between Sarah and Karen Lifshay in 99 to Gershwin tunes. Then there was uh, Irreplaceable, My Irreplaceable You, that one. Mm -hmm. There was a little bit of a homoerotic moment during that number. You know what I'm saying? It's so funny that that was like a thing. 99. I know. You know, think about it. It feels like a really short time ago, but we've come a long way. That's true, yeah, for sure. But, you know, it was was very, uh, it was a 90-minute show. There was no intermission. I thought it 
was a dream. We all were like sobbing when it closed. You know what I mean? We had the best time. We were really close-knit cast. And I just, I don't think people got it. What, were you playing to like empty houses? No, we were, it, the Long Acres, 800 seats. Yeah. So actually we were playing to packed houses every night, you yeah. know, um, for the 32 performances <laughs> that we, you know, got to perform. But I just don't think people were ready for that. Because I've seen, I, subsequently, I have seen a lot of the numbers in our show in other shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Totally. There, there's no way that that was not, kind of just snatched uh-huh. there are just uh, there were no shows that i'd go with my friends and we'd be like oh, this is straight out of fascinating rhythm so like you know sometimes the first is not ever the most successful totally you know yeah. so so then you go back into footloose i went back into footloose for a, a minute and a half and then i got saturday night fever I mean, so this was, Saturday Night Fever was your first opportunity to like originate a role yes. on Broadway. Yes. How did you get the gig? How many auditions did you do? 87, I think. for me, my life would end, and it doesn't matter how I cry, my tears of love always to turn, if I turn away, am I strong enough to see it through? Go crazy is what I will do If I can't have you I don't want nobody, baby there were, You know, the other thing was what I wasn't aware of, the producers of Fascinating Rhythm were the same American producers of Saturday Night Fever. Ah. So what I was completely unaware of, which is a good thing, was that I was basically auditioning for Saturday Night Fever the whole time I was in Fascinating Rhythm. Oh. Unbeknownst to me. Totally. They were checking out my work ethic. They were checking out my attitude. You know, yep. if I could do eight shows a week, you know. Totally. And then ultimately, I auditioned multiple times for, you know, the casting. And then Arlene Phillips flew in. And then Robert Stigwood flew in. And then we auditioned on the stage of the Minskoff. You know, Ugh. it was, you know. And again, I, I, I didn't... I didn't mind it at all, yeah. you know, and Arlene, she's been one of my dearest, closest friends, her kids. We, you know, when I go to London, I stay with them. I wow. hang out with them and, you know, it became the most important theater gig of my life, not just because of my friends, married my husband, uh. I met him there, you know, some of my closest friends are still from that original cast. Yeah. So who knew? How did you meet Andy? Like what, what was He the- walked into the show and I claimed him. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hey, theater people, Patrick here. We are so excited to be back to our weekly format. And we are so grateful to the 54 of you who have already pledged your support to our shows via our Patreon page. If you haven't yet and you love theater people, Broadway Backstory, and or BroadwayCon the podcast, we would be so grateful if you'd consider supporting us for as little as $1 per month. And you get great rewards for doing so. Visit patreon.com and search for Theater People Podcast. Or just go to our website, which is theaterppl.com, and click the Patreon link. Also, you guys, we are now accepting sponsors for our episodes, and we're offering super low rates to industry professionals who work independently. So if you're a voice teacher, an acting coach, an accompanist, or if you sell Broadway-themed merch, you can advertise to our thousands of listeners at super discounted rates. For details, send me an email. My email is patrick at theaterpeople.com. That, of course, is theater with an E-R-P-P-L dot com. Okay, 
Back to the show. <laughs> was he was a replacement, right? Mm-hmm. So he didn't. He wasn't with the original company. No, he came in uh, the July before. You know, it was like six or six and a half months before it closed, and he replaced the cast member that went on to replace James Carpinello. Oh, so he took over for Gus. Oh. Uh, no, it's, it wasn't Gus. It was. I'm I'm wrong. I could be wrong with the name, but he took over for one of the faces. Yep. And Sean Palmer got to become Tony Monero. Yeah. And then therefore Andy also became the main cover for Tony Monero because that was that job, oh. that track's job. Yeah. Um, and he came in and people had told me about him and they were like, oh, you're going to love this guy, Andy Carl, blah, 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 blah. And and honestly, it was just one of those ridiculous love at first sight moments. Oh, that is so amazing. It was absurd. It was absurd. And everybody, I just, again, had this conversation with somebody in Footloose the other day. Not Footloose, in Saturday Night Fever, we were doing a benefit the other uh, night and we were talking, and, I, and they were like, how long have you been married? I said, well, it'll be 16 years in January. And they were like, oh, my God. I said, yeah, I know. You guys were all laughing at us behind our backs, going like, <laughs> yeah, this is a showmance if ever there was one. How Let's let's put an egg timer on this. Totally. So. The funny thing about him is, I mean, I got to spend all of 45 minutes with him <laughs> once, and it was like the sweatiest 45 minutes of my life. I was like, humana, humana, humana. Um, but... He doesn't come off as like a player at all. He seems like the most no. stand up, like yeah. just cool dude. He's a really good guy. Yeah. He's a real and I've known about maybe three that good in my life. Not boyfriends. Like totally. just like I in my life I can only count on one hand how many men I've ever known that pure and that good. The way that he talks about you Ugh. is like unbelievable. Like a like a like a glaze comes over his face. I pay him. <laughs> <laughs> we spent his interview. We, I think we spent like a solid ten minutes talking about oh, you. No. So much to the point that we had to. We were we used one of the songs from Legally Blonde because we just talked about it for like oh, ten that's minutes. Hilarious! Yeah, so oh funny. my god! So how okay? How long did Saturday Night Fever run? It was like I want to say to round it up to two years. And you were there the whole time. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been with everything I've ever been with the whole, the whole time. time. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't generally leave. You know, I. I yeah. No, I mean, these are not like 10-year, 15-year runs I've right, had to, right, you know, totally. st- but I, anything I've been involved with, I've stayed. We were talking to Rebecca Luker a few weeks ago, who was in the original company of Phantom on oh Broadway. And I was like, what if you never left? <laughs> like, what oh if you were God. just like still there? How weird would it be to walk by a sh- like a job, your first job that has just never, it's just always been there? That, I that, well, I have not had that experience. <laughs> so I don't know. I imagine I'll be the person who gets to experience a revival of something. Yeah, I'm, totally. I'm imagining they're going to bring Legally Blonde back at some point oh in this God, lifetime. I hope. You know, yeah. like that, that would be the one I would think would come back totally, totally so i'm yeah. like well that'll happen and then i'll be like oh my god where's my walking cane <laughs> well you let's know. talk about legally blonde okay oh my god yay when i'm lonely or feeling dejected i play this and it never fails i pretend like i'm in ireland with enya My telephone gets disconnected Or I spend every night alone I pretend like I'm in Ireland Where the Irish bagpipes drone Smell the grass as a rainstorm is ending People smile while I stroll past their farms With a red-headed sailor named Brendan And we dance without moving our arms. 
When you saw the movie, I'm assuming you saw it before you did the show. A hundred times. Did you... I mean, Jennifer Coolidge reads, at least to me, like significantly older than you. Yeah. Would you ever have imagined... I never would have even, I I never thought, my head doesn't go that way. There are certain, you know, movies I see that I go, oh my God, this would be the best musical. Yeah. But I just loved, you know, The the movie as its own entity. I never thought anything of the sort. Right. You know, I never, it didn't even occur to me. I just loved the movie. Like, everybody loved the movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, no, it never occurred to me. But they did They did have a lot of issues with the fact that I didn't look significantly big and old. You know, right. and yeah, not that yeah, Jen yeah. Coolidge looks big and old, but right. she was significantly older than, yeah. than Reese Witherspoon and, um, you know, a foot taller. And, you know, so they had a template. From, like, 60 feet away, yeah. you look enough like her. You well, know that's what I good. Mean? Yeah, you your know. face is like, you guys are both, like, gorgeous blondes. Oh, you're very sweet. You know. Thank you. You yeah. know, yeah, the, the, from the neck up, certainly. But there was, a, you know, there was a type, and, and I think they took a big chance and said, okay, screw it let's just you know hire Orfe and thankfully it worked out how did you even so was it just like a thing from your agent they just called you and said go well no I th- Andy was involved in all the workshops oh. Andy was always involved and I think that you know thankfully he was he said to Jerry Mitchell I said you know I, I think you might want to see Orfe for Paulette it's very up in her skill set and I think Jerry was like, huh, that's interesting. And she's one of the only people we haven't seen for this role. I mean, they cast wow. a really wide net for that role, you know? I'm like so – I know you won't tell me, but I'm so curious to know who else they looked at. Everybody but you sitting here right now. <laughs> no, I went in. Yeah, well, then there you go. Then the water bottle. Like, I mean, they, they this was a giant, giant casting call, you know, wow. as, as as those things do occur. I imagine there was a giant casting call for Alphaba, giant, you know. Right. You, you – was one of those things but I think that I was lucky they got desperate they were like well let's just bring her in (laughs) (laughs) and then so how how many auditions did you go through for that oh I auditioned for six and a half weeks oh no bullshit oh am I allowed to say shit okay um it was a six and a half week not every day obviously yeah but from the first time I walked in till when I got a call that I booked it it was six and a half weeks what did they have you do during that time Oh, my God. Everything and anything. How is Jerry Mitchell... So I'm mildly obsessed with Jerry Mitchell. We are all mildly obsessed with Jerry Mitchell. The man is like... We've had him on this podcast, I think, three times now. Oh, my God. I'm just just obsessed with him. And I know that there was a lot riding on it for him because it was his first time out as a director-choreographer. No, as just the director. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he had been director-choreographer before and choreographer before, but this was his first time that he was, like, just helming the ship. And it was a... I know it was a huge property to get the rights to. And how... Did you ever get a sense that he was sweating it? Or Hell like- no. And that's what I think. When you can have somebody, you know, it's like that old saying about the ducks. You don't know what's going on under the surface. But the thing about Jerry, he's so, I always say this, he rules with a velvet glove. So it's ve- it's a really good environment to be in because you never saw him freaking out. And it was a really big undertaking. It was a gigantic cast. It was a gigantic property. It was a huge hit movie. It wasn't some obscure movie that people were like, oh, well, let's rent this on cable and see what it, you know. Mm-hmm. This was a big thing. And he just made it really pleasant. 
and really easy and he's funny and he's not like a taskmaster in the room. He makes it easy. It's digestible. You know, you're not going, oh my God, this director's going to kill me if I screw this rehearsal up. You know, there's no intimidation. And some directors are like that. Yeah. I mean, I have been lucky. I don't have those kind. I've never had to deal with that in musical theater, but Jerry's really genteel and he loves what he does. And when somebody loves what, you know, it, it trickles down from there. So we just had a really good time. And I think that when he was, quote, just a choreographer on the other projects, I'm sure he did a lot more. Right, yeah. And I think that he was poised to have the whole project to himself. Yeah. And I think he was more than, more than, more than capable of doing everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, never, I, I never thought, oh, God. What's he, you know, he's struggling. No, mm-hmm. not at all. Not, I never, never even, didn't even cross my mind. I think one of the things about Legally Blonde that is so memorable, I think is that it, I think it surprised people that it was so substantive. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like, what it was like for you specifically, because, you know, that movie's not very old, but you can almost say that it's an iconic role. I mean, people, you know, when you think about Legally Blonde, I think one of the things you think about is Paulette. Well, how did you, what was your way into, like, making it your own thing? You know, I didn't have a choice. There's no, and I've said this before too, there's no way to copy Jen Coolidge. There is no way. There are certain people who are so much what and who they are that you can't, they're not, you know, they're characters. So you're, to, to copy her would be a bastardization of all of what it is that she is and that she has to offer. She's a comedic genius. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what I did was I just kind of, went a completely different way and I, you know, obviously paid homage to her, you know, but it's a musical. You're, you're bursting into song. You're, you're, you know, dealing with a different group of people. You're dealing with a different genre. You're different, you know, dealing with a live audience. So I kind of had to cull it from different places. I based my Paulette on someone I know very well. Oh, interesting. You know, so I, I kind of got her from there first you know, the singing and all of that, and, and that came from me. But, you know, the 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 character was a conglomerate of Jen Coolidge's Paulette, obviously, because there's no way not to, but without, like, doing a watered-down, terrible version, which it would have been a terrible version because nobody can do Jen Coolidge. Right. I based her on people I knew that were that person for somebody. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everybody has, hopefully, everybody has a Paulette. You know, the person you can call at four o'clock in the morning, the person that's always going to be there for you, the person who's going to spend Christmas with you when nobody else will. You know what I mean? (laughs) That that's kind of who. And I and I, you know, I based the accent on a different person I knew, you know, from Boston. Oh, wow. So like I I just kind of got little bits and pieces of her from everywhere that I knew that was familiar to me. That wasn't just, you know, out of the clear blue. And somehow, thankfully, it worked. Yeah. You know, I'd like to think totally. it worked. <laughs> Dude, it, it's sometimes weird to ask about dynamics between actors because I don't have any idea. But like that character, did you have a good relationship with Laura Bell Bundy? Uh, yeah, I had a great relationship with Laura Bell and uh, we still have a great relationship. So, it was, you know, again, it's easy. You know, I, I mean, it's my husband playing my boyfriend. <laughs> it's so great. It's this beautiful talented gal playing my best friend you know it's you know leslie kritzer and people like that i yeah. mean it's not rod harrelson who's one of my best friends to this day and the dogs yeah. i mean i was like a pig and poo <laughs> you know it's like what what could not work about that that just is just 
It was a no-brainer. I remember asking Andy about him being kind of like a ham. <laughs> did he like ever did, – did he like – I mean, you guys are all professionals. You're all acting. You're all doing your jobs. I get it. But did he try to make you guys break ever? Like, was it – No. He was really good. But, you know, he's just funny. Yeah. You look at him. He raises an eyebrow and you're going to start like spit-taking, you know? And, 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 and Jerry encouraged – you know, he really loves – they're just very – they're crazy about each other. Yeah. So it just was a really great relationship. And he's a cut-up. I mean, Andy can – literally look at you and you're gonna laugh (laughs) and you don't even know what you're laughing but he's just really stupid funny (laughs) i'm just laughing you know exactly (laughs) it's like you know laura bell and i often could not look at each other in Uh a lot of the scenes because we'd break (laughs) because of how ridiculous andy was or what's something else we literally would barely we would often cover like one eyebrow so we wouldn't have to stare right at each other because we couldn't keep a straight face there were just sometimes and you have to be professional but we were it's just just some stupid hilarious stuff going on you know how okay did you wake up early on the morning of the tony award announcements Uh, oh yeah you did okay good 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 and so you were sitting do do you not know this story where i almost cracked my skull open i don't yeah i hid under the bed you did i was so nervous I was so nervous that I hid under my bed. It was in the air, right? You'd been nominated for other things. I had been nominated for other things that season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. But you never know. Right, yeah. They could be like, oh, who the hell is she? You know, (laughs) we can't even pronounce her name. We're not going to nominate her. But I hid under the bed and I was like, just tell me what happens. I don't want to know. And I'm like, la, 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 la. And I heard my name. And I, like, got so excited that I, like, got up. (laughs) In a rush, forgetting that there's a 4,000-pound bed above oh my, my head. God. And I had, like, a welt on my head for three months. Oh, no. I'm just lucky I didn't, like, crack it open and need stitches. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, I had the cute – I had to, like, put the bacitracin on it and the hydrogen peroxide. It just – it didn't need stitches. That's about all it didn't need. Oh I needed God. a tourniquet, but I didn't need stitches. Did Andy lose his mind? Oh, we were we were just out of – we were out of this freaking universe. Oh it was insane, God. you know. How was that to- – I always love – the month between like the nominations and the awards not not that I'm up involved in it at all but I love hearing you guys talk about it like did you get to meet a lot of great people and I met everybody great it was wonderful it it there is not a moment of downtime yeah right right so it does get a little schedule wise it gets crazy and you just wonder I don't well I I have to carve out some time to go to the bathroom and eat and wash my face (laughs) and things but it it is absolutely and now I've you know gone through it two more times with Andy it's relentless and listen it's a luxury problem to have of course but there there literally are days where you don't know how the time went by yeah because you're back to back to back to back to back you know meanwhile you're doing your show and you're doing eight shows a week sometimes nine depending on depending the week on the schedule. right exactly know? thanks exactly so. so what are you doing now what's happening uh what am i doing now we've done we're doing a bunch of freaking concerts oh right you need so to doing stuff. andy and i are finally after all these years doing concerts together so we've got four coming up in december at 54 below yes so december 8th 12, 13, 14. I'm totally coming you, to Everyone, one of those. please come. Yes. There's a discount code on my Instagram and my Twitter page. So we'll put it up on the website too. Yeah, put it up because I want to pack the houses every totally. night. I love I love big audiences yeah. that are noisy and crazy. Totally. And there are four shows to fill. Yeah. So I have, you know, I'm petrified. I'm going to get up on the stage and there's going to be two people <laughs> eating French fries in my face. So, um, I, I, so we've been doing a lot of that. We did Lincoln Center in February. That was absolutely amazing oh. I, will, I will never get over that what was was it like a jazz at lincoln center thing? it was a jazz at lincoln center and they had done uh the with february the, series that with they the american do. songbook or whatever yes. oh. um, but they let us 
basically stray from the formula. And I think they liked it so much that they're kind of now letting people stray from the formula. Oh, that's amazing. Um, but we did, you know, we did a lot of Broadway stuff, obviously. We did stick to the American Songbook, you know, lexicon. But we had the best time. It was sold out instantly. And I was like, and why don't you ask us back? No, yeah. <laughs> they don't do you twice in a row. But, yeah. you know, we... We had the best time, and I guess people started going, hey, you know, maybe we should book them together. Yeah. But then Andy went away to London for six months, so that was obviously, it made it impossible. But, you know, we have these four concerts coming up. I do a lot of, you know, indie films that you will probably never see. (laughs) One of them actually was a big hit, you know, a big indie hit, um, Sleeping with the Fishes. Oh, yeah. And Gina Rodriguez uh, became a superstar 14 seconds later. You know, that was great timing for her and Nicole Fisher, who's the director of the movie. But, you know, it's stuff like that. You know, I do a lot of stuff that's not, you know, I wish that people realize if you're not doing eight shows a week, doesn't mean you're dead. Of course. You know, or or sitting in the street corner with a tin cup. Right. (laughs) You know, that's just me, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that now and again, you know, with with eight shows a week, it doesn't really leave you much time to do much else. Yeah. And then people blame you and go, well, why aren't you in more television and film? Well, for 15 years, I did this. So, you know, you can't have. You can have me everywhere, you guys. You, you gotta, you gotta let me do what I gotta totally. do. But you know that doesn't mean I won't come back. I, you know, I, if they'll have me. Yeah. But I've been doing everything else. Like I said, there are just some things you'll never see. Yeah. <laughs> just how is Groundhog's Day? It's, and I, I know people are going to think it's because Andy's the star of it, but it is the best musical I've ever seen. Who wrote it? Tim Minchin. Tim Minchin, the Matilda people. Yeah, Matilda. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I. I, I, I saw it five times. Wow. In the span of a week and a half. <laughs> so I like it a little bit. It is absolutely every bit that you've heard the hype. And anyone who says anything to the contrary is having a bad day. An idiot. Yeah. It's but, coming in for sure, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. But it's phenomenal. Oh, I, I mean, I cannot tell you how perfect it is. And, you know, sometimes movies to musical transfers, yeah, 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 it just totally. doesn't work, especially something as complicated as Groundhog Day. I love Day. Groundhog Day. It's one Day. of my favorite films. Yeah. One of my all-time favorite films. And I cannot tell you how brilliant it is. Um, I love you. I'm obsessed Thank with you. you. You're very sweet. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for doing this. Are you kidding me? Come on. This is incredible. You were Andy approved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited that he remembers me at all. That's Absolutely. fabulous. I was like, you did these guys, right? He's yeah. like, yeah. I was like, well, I'm going. He's like, you're going to have a great time. He goes, all we did was talk about you. It's true. So you might as well go. So, but thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Or if I'm obsessed with you. I'm obsessed with you. I hope I didn't babble. No, you were amazing. Thank you. Oh my God. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. I met this guy, Dewey, and he bought me like 14 beers. Theater People is a product of Theater Podcast Productions and is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. Mike edited this episode. Special thanks to our sponsor, Today Ticks, our Patreon associate producers, Robbie Roselle, Cynthia Wallach, and Ty Williams. Special thanks also to Steve Tipton, Bradley Bean, Eric Emsch, Keith Allen Herzog, Ricky Condos, and Ellen Marie Marsh. We'll be back next week. I love saying that, you guys, with LaShans. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking. Irish and if your Irish boy tires of you, you're allowed to shoot him in the knee.